Welcome to the e-commerce badassery podcast, the place for scrappy female entrepreneurs who want to learn actionable steps and strategies to grow the traffic, sales, and profit in your e-commerce business. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Coster, a 20-year retail veteran who spent three years as the only employee of a seven-figure online store. That shit was crazy. I know exactly how it feels to do all the things, and I'm sharing everything I learned the hard way so you don't have to. I may have started this business by accident, but supporting badass bosses like you lights me the fuck up, and I am so stoked to see you grow. Are you ready, babe? Let's roll. Welcome back to the e-commerce badassery podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Coster. If you are a creative who sometimes takes people's feedback to your work personally, this episode is a must listen. My conversation today is with Jesse McNeil, founder and designer of The Cheery Pet, selling cheer-filled goods for pets and pet people. I love her story because starting a pet brand was never part of the plan, but the market spoke and she listened. Kind of like how I started e-commerce badassery, by accident. What I love most about Jessie is how she's gotten super clear on the type of business she wants to create and how she manages to keep a level head and positive attitude as she works to grow her business. It's a great reminder and lesson for all of us. This will make way more sense when you hear our conversation, so let's dive in. Hey, Jesse, welcome to the show. Hey, Jess, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you, and everyone who comes on the podcast fills out an intake form, so I have all of their details, and I learned something new about you. I had no idea that you were a musician. I didn't realize I hadn't shared that in the lounge or on any of our calls. That's so funny. Yes. (laughs) So tell me, how did you go from musician to artist? So I've been a musician or like singing my whole life, started writing songs and like the singing part has always been pretty natural. Same with the writing, but I used to write with someone else. And so kind of getting that place where I'm like, I could be strong enough on the guitar and get on a stage and like actually share my own songs. There was a little bit of a hurdle with that. And so I ended up forming a community group, like a group of other creatives. And we got together twice a month. And this was like creatives of all stripes. So like photographers and poets and singer songwriters and painters. And so we'd get together twice a month. And then usually we talk about a topic. And then we would all have a chance to share our work. So almost like a sort of an open mic. And that's where I really got my confidence. I can like play a song and sing at the same time and like do this in a public setting beyond just my couch. So it's sort of like that confidence builder. And then we just started getting really inspired seeing all the painters and the poets. And I was noticing within the group, a lot of us were having like cross inspiration, sort of like... For example, maybe somebody would share their photography and then two weeks later, someone would come back and like, oh, your photos are really inspiring me. And I did these paintings like it was really cool. I had taken one art class in high school. 
but I was like a choir nerd. So I had two hours of choir in high school. So I didn't have any time in my schedule for art. And then in college, I majored in French, another like random thing, but still stuck with the music. Always had an interest in art. But again, it's like you just only have so much time. So this was 10 years ago. Yeah. So just started kind of painting for fun. I'm just like a chronic entrepreneur. I can't just have a hobby, Jess. I have to turn into a business. That's such a good thing, though, because I think so many people, especially the creatives, just sort of get stuck in this hobby mode and think they can't create a business out of it. And you're like, of course, I can create a business and sell this stuff. So I think that's actually a great mindset. I don't know. One of these days I need to have a hobby just purely for the sake of a hobby, but we'll see. So anyway, I'm like playing shows. I didn't play a lot of shows. Like I didn't do a ton of gigging, but um, I do like house concerts and like small venues. And so I'm like, I'm just going to take some of my paintings with me. And I liked working really small, like in little six inch by six inch squares. And I was just doing like florals and campers. And people were buying them. So started making some prints. I mean, it was really low-key about it. It was just sort of like an add-on for my merch table. I think I was just seeing enough steady sales with it that I was like, well, I think it could be an income stream. And then in 2019, I'd been working for five years at a counseling practice doing marketing. So I was managing their YouTube channel and doing video editing, newsletters, and social media posts. But I kind of was in a transition where I needed to leave that job. And at that point, I was established enough as a musician that I kind of felt like between the art sales and the income I was making from gigs and with my husband's encouragement, too, we were like, let's do this. There were some things at that job that just weren't working anymore. So it felt like a transition anyway. So we took the leap fall of 2019. Then came 2020. But we'll get to that. So then randomly, as things often go when you're like growing a business, that fall, I think it was a little before fall, I'm like, paint a portrait of my daughter's border collie. So it's really fun. It went really fast. It turned out cute. And then I was like, you know what would be cool is to do portraits on little round wooden ornaments. So I already had an Etsy shop and I didn't sell a lot on there, but I'm like, I'm just going to put these pet ornaments. They went bonkers. When you're selling a product that you're printing, like you can send a lot of product out. But I've had to actually paint each of these ornaments. So it was getting to the point where every time the cha-ching went off, I was kind of having a mini heart attack of like, I don't know if I can add one more to my queue and like meet the deadline so these people can put them on their tree or under their tree. So I was painting all these by hand. I like had my little hand brace and my piss had all the painting. But then at the end of the season, like, assessing how did this go? Do I want to do this again? It was sort of like, we need to work smarter, not harder. Yes, I'm painting a lot of mixes of mutts, but I'm painting a lot of golden retrievers and labs and shih tzus. I mean, every dog is unique, but there's so many similarities that I'm like, they basically look the same. So I'm like, what if I made a series of like the popular breeds and then we reproduce them onto ornaments, but they could still add the personalization. So then in early 2020, we kind of started developing that of like trying to determine how we could print the ornaments. So that's how the pet thing started. And then the last few years, I eventually had to stop doing the hand-painted ones. I just couldn't manage November and December. Like my husband gets home from work and we're out in our studio till 9, 10, 11, like printing, packaging, shipping. And I'm like, I can't be painting as well during this time. So that's how it started and has evolved. 
I'm there's so much from all of this that I just want to kind of circle back to and touch on because it's been such an interesting, fun, but relatable journey. And I really just want to start with the group of creatives that you started meeting with and the way you guys were all inspiring each other, even though you were all in different industries, doing different things, creating in a different way. And yes, there is absolutely something to that creative brain, right? Like my husband was going to school for music. He ended up studying German, falling in love with the teacher and the language. So not a pretty language, in my opinion. But then he ended up majoring in German with the idea of being a teacher. But guess what? People don't want to learn German. He realized, too, he didn't want to do music for money because it kind of stripped the joy out of it for him. Now he's a photographer. Him and his partner started that business with a secondhand camera that they didn't know how to use and they didn't know what they were doing and they just figured it out. And so ultimately, all of that, I think, is just the power of community. Even the people who you think don't have anything to teach you or offer you. They probably do. We can learn a little bit of something from everyone if we go into it with an open mind. So I love all of that. And in terms of the product piece, I'm all about data and what's working. Do more of that. I love that analytical tactical side of it. But I also just love that it was like, I'm just not going to put too much pressure on myself. Let me just try this thing and see what happens. And if you can just detach the outcome, I think you just go into it with a whole different kind of energy, which I think is just really cool. I still carry that on, honestly, in everything. For my music, I've run three Kickstarters. Uh, Nothing will wreck you like a Kickstarter if you're a creative. My husband, I mean, I think if I ever say, I'm going to do another album, I'm going to do a Kickstarter. I don't even know what he's going to say. I don't think he can survive another Kickstarter because no one really enjoys a crying wife for 30 days, it turns out. That makes sense. Exactly. Like the vulnerability of just putting yourself out there and saying, do you believe in me or do you like this enough to want to donate your hard earned money? Now, granted, they're getting something in exchange. They get rewards, they get the music, but it's still just putting yourself out there. And so, I mean, that's definitely carried over into every initiative I've launched with this business. And sometimes I have to take a few steps back where sometimes I launch something and I basically, before I launched, I'm like, I'm pretty much expecting to get zero sales. And I just almost have to tell myself that So I can detach from the results. And part of it is knowing this business is still kind of a baby. And so I do try to have low expectations. But I think just kind of trying to release the results, just put my head down, do the work, know it's eventually going to pay off. And basically up until this past year, I was doing both. So I have my art by Jesse McNeil, which was florals and landscapes and like cute little V-dub campers. And then I had this pet line as well. But in the end, I'm like 80% of my income is coming off the pet line. I'm like, I think I need to just double down and just really focus on that and launch it as its own brand. So even though I've been doing art as my main job since 2018, well, and I was doing music, but when the pandemic hit, obviously all my gigs got canceled and the art has just taken so much time and taken off. So I haven't really gone back to music. 
But anyway, so it's really only been this past year that I just sidelined Art by Jesse McNeil and it's 100% the pet business. In some ways, I could look at it and be like, I've been doing this since 2019. Why am I not further along in certain areas? But then I have to remind myself, well, this brand and this full product line that I have since developed, which now includes more than pet ornaments, it's still just a baby. So just still continue to practice like, okay, when launches are small, but just still seeing that steady growth or somewhat steady growth. It's definitely a balance because we do want to dream big and see what's possible. And Larissa Loden, who was on the podcast recently, talked about having this big moonshot goal that you reach for that even when you don't make it, you've still gone so far. And there is absolute value in that. But also at the same time, and I think this is probably especially important when what you sell is something you created, that little extra layer, it's different if you're just buying and reselling stuff, you have a boutique or whatever. But when you created it, when you dreamt it up, if you designed it, even if you made it with your own two hands, there's this whole other human level of disappointment that can come when you don't reach the goal that you're going for. So I do think that there needs to be a balance there. And it sounds like you've been doing generally a good job. Well, it's just such a weird time. I'm really plugged into my local maker community. I've got a weekly or a monthly dinner with eight other gals that I've met through the market circuit and notice other local makers. And everyone's kind of like, things are down. Honestly, 2020, 2021 and 2022 were pretty good for most makers, especially those first two years of the pandemic. And now we're not seeing as big of sales at in-person markets. I think a lot of us are just kind of trying to navigate kind of this, it seems like we're in a bit of a transition, I feel like, with the small biz communities. Absolutely. And I'm hearing that across the board from most people. Or if they are growing, they're not necessarily growing at the speed that they were before. And this was another conversation we had with Larissa recently. And I also bring her up because she's handmade jewelry and that's how she started. But for her, her big growth It just came because she invested a shit ton of money in ads. It wasn't all like really great organic social content. It was just ads and not to diminish. It's still growth. It's still amazing. But I think a lot of makers and just small business owners and even me myself, you see everyone else's highlight reel and you really start to think, man, what do they know that I don't know? And I think most of the time, they have more visibility, whether that's because they paid for it or they're out there at shows every week or whatever it is. It really just comes down to that visibility. So, you know, I like to talk the real, real on the e-commerce.atsuri podcast. So thank you so much for hearing that. And when it comes to pets, though, people love their freaking pets. So I think ultimately you are on the right path and you will just move forward and find your groove. You've already proven that people are willing to part with their money for what you create. This is true. I mean, my husband keeps saying he's like, I think that pets probably are recession proof on a certain level. Like having kids is expensive. So maybe people are waiting on having kids, but they're having pets. My price point is really low. Like my most expensive product right now is $24. So it seems like I should be able to ride out the slight downturn we're having right now. 
And I don't look at it very often because my goal is to just create really great content that helps people. The podcast, for example, I look at what individual topics get like the most engagement and listens and stuff, but I don't look at it as a whole. But every time I do, I will zoom out my analytics since the inception of the podcast. And the beginning, it is low, low, like it is almost a straight line with like a little tiny uptick. And then all of a sudden, it's almost vertical. And I think so many of us, we were like, oh, it's not doing anything. It's not doing anything. And then we quit right before that peak. When you read the statistics about podcasts, for example, I don't remember what any of them are, but there are like a bajillion podcasts and 90% of them have like 10 episodes because people gave up. And so if I had kept looking at that and thinking, oh, well, nobody's listening and new people aren't finding it. And I just stopped how much I would have missed out on. So I just love that you're keeping a level head about it all. <laughs> but the other thing, too, is what we talked about recently in 2023, you really had laser focus on wholesale and e-com and like even more so wholesale a little bit. What has that laser focus actually meant for your business? So with wholesale as well, I feel like I sort of fell into once I started figuring out how to reproduce the breed ornaments. I was like, maybe pet stores would want to carry these. So I started just reaching out to pet shops. I mean, I had no training on how to do wholesale. I literally don't know how I got orders, but I got orders. Shanky landing page on my website and just did cold emails and I had a bunch of takers. People were buying these for their pet shops. And then through that one pet shop, reached out to the sales rep she often works with who reps a lot of pet brands. And then that sales rep reached out to me and wanted to take me on. So now I've been working with her for three years. So she's really been able to expand my reach into shops too. And then last year, I took Katie Hunt's Proof to Product program and then got much more clear on how to do wholesale properly and how to build out a wholesale catalog and how to do outreach. So I have seen my wholesale grow this past year. My sales rep, I'm about equal year over year, but for my own outreach, where I've done cold emailing and then just being on fair, my wholesale has increased times three this past year. And I've built out my line. So when I first started, I only had the pet ornaments. You could also do them as mugs, like breed-based mugs. That's a tougher sale for shops. Just takes a lot of shelf space and like, how do you know which breeds to stock? It's just kind of a lot. The ornaments are much easier. Kind of when I was sort of like, ah, I think I want to phase out art by Jesse McNeil and really go all in on the pets. I was like, I want to build out a full product line. So now I have a line of greeting cards, notepads, and then I've created some pet lover designs. Like I have a little mug that says cats are my love language. And then the dog one is Dogs are my favorite kind of people and they have cute little illustrations of dogs and like my own hand lettering. So I've got some more generic pet gift items. And then my tagline for my company, it's the Cheery Pet. My tagline is cheer-filled goods for pets and pet people. I always knew I wanted to add in some products for pets as well. And this year I started designing my own fabric and making bandanas. Which they are 
so adorable. I don't have a dog and I don't think Gomez would let me put a bandana on him, but they are so adorable. I love them. It's been really fun. And I feel like it's been a way to like bring back a little bit of the art by Jesse McNeil. I never thought I was going to paint pets for a living. And I can't say that that's like my big, huge passion. But it's been fun now with the fabrics. I can do floral design. So I had to kind of learn how to do surface pattern design to do the fabrics and so much troubleshooting on placing the fabric order, having it come in, having to tweak the color, having to pick a different fabric weight, trying to get my margins down. Like initially I had double sided of the same of my fabric. The custom fabric's really expensive. So then I'm like, we've got to do a solid back. So just lots of tweaking to get the margins correct on the bandanas so that I could do them wholesale and retail. So I basically built out this whole new line this year. And so that's also why as far as sales go and growing my audience, it's kind of like, okay, this really is a brand new business this year, but it's doing well in the pet shops. The pet shops are now getting the greeting cards. And I'm really trying to focus in on that niche of what does the pet audience need? So I've got a couple of pet sympathy cards. I did a thank you card for a dog sitter, a thank you card for a cat sitter. I mean, people celebrate everything with their pets. This local bakery or parkery, as they're called, they bought a ton of my, I have a design, I'm in Washington State, so I have a design, a fabric design that has the Space Needle and the Fairy and very Pacific Northwest. And so they bought a ton of that Seattle one and I was checking out what they sell. I'm like, birthday cakes for dogs and the price for those things. It was like such a shock, but it's so fun. Like people just love that stuff. So I'm like, why not go all in on providing products that that audience wants and needs? So it's less about maybe what me and my heart wants to create as an artist and just be more strategic. I really think at the end of the day for if you are a creative, certainly there are creatives who I think can just do what moves them, put it out in the world and it sells. But for me, I know that if I want to see growth and sort of a long-term plan for this business, I have to be really focused on the market. What are the needs of the market? Then still like have fun with it and put my twist on it. So I'm enjoying the creativity, but I definitely come to everything more business mind first, creative second. Which this is a business, it's not a hobby. So it's really important that you do that. And ultimately, if you can get the business to a place where income is good, sales are coming in, then it gives you more free time to just go do the stuff you want to do for no reason other than you want to do. And it feels good. Exactly. Like I think with music, my dad is a musician as well. And he used to play lead guitar in my band at my gigs. And he's still always out gigging. He's just at all the local dive bars. But he's always just like, Jess, when are you going to start playing shows again? And I just feel so focused on this right now. Like it's kind of consuming all my creative energy. But I do think music will come back. And I say this, but man, I could change my mind. But I want it to be a hobby. Well, see, that's so hard for me. That can be the thing that is the hobby. You know, and I think about my husband, too, like he's been playing the piano since he was a little boy. And it was like they had a piano or an organ was there. I think it was just kind of in the family. It was there. He was little. He kind of sat at it. He started playing it. And both of his parents did band and stuff in high school. And like he was good. And they were like, something is happening here. We need to nurture this. He has a keyboard because we don't have room for an actual piano. And I don't think he's played since we moved here. 
And same thing with the guitar. And it's like when it's for him, it's for him. And of course, Christmas, because his parents do still have a piano. And so everyone kind of gangs up on him and he plays. And I think he's like begrudgingly does it. And everybody sings badly and it's all so much fun. But then I think he's kind of like, all right, I got my fix and I'm good. And everyone, I think when you are a creative in that way, you do need to let it be a hobby sometimes so that it can continue to be joyful. Exactly. And I bet you have some more pet products and art things in you too. And I think you're on the typical maker journey and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Trying the ads thing, which I know has been an interesting roller coaster (laughs) for you. Totally. I don't remember exactly, but you have a particular breed that just continues to outperform every other one from an ad perspective. Yes. Oh, you wanted to know which one that was? Yeah. Well, honestly, it was a tie. For the past two years, it's been Frenchies and Shih Tzus, nonstop Frenchies and Shih Tzus. Look, Frenchies is not surprising. They have now moved into the number one slot. But Shih Tzus are like, Dale, they're like 16, 17, 18. I'm like, what is it with these fluffy little dogs? My theory is that the bougie dogs, like the little fluffy kind of, they're a little big for a purse, but quote unquote purse dogs. I think maybe those dog owners, they want things, but their little dog's face on it. But you'll be happy to know this is a fellow cat lady that cats are blowing everything out of the water this year. Amazing. I know. I mean, there's still some dogs, but at least on Etsy, it's been 70% cats this year. It's so weird, but I just think what is important and kind of the takeaway that I want the listeners to have is obviously you went into it. You had never done ads before. We're in there testing audiences. You're getting help from Nicole. And it's like the data just keeps telling you that it's just this audience. And so ultimately you just ended up leaning into that until it was no longer the thing while still testing other things out. So when you have a wider product line or wider product assortment, One of the things that I just keep repeating over and over again is bring them in with the best and then sell them the rest. You don't have to reach every customer from the beginning. You don't have to sell every product from the beginning. So just find your damn shih tzu people, get them in to buy the ornament, and then you can sell them other stuff later. And then they can tell their other pet owning different breed friends that you exist. I think also the way Facebook or Meta was like that audience that really was focused on the Shih Tzu breed. I think there were a lot of other people in that audience because the sales that were coming in through those leads were all different breeds. Or maybe people were interested in Shih Tzus, but they were buying for their friends that had all different types of dogs. Who knows? And now actually that audience wasn't doing quite as well this year. So I've kind of mixed it up and I'm having really great luck with my lead gen ads again this year. So I'm still trying to kind of fine tune my conversions and working with Nicole on that, retargeting ads and all of that. But I'm really, really happy with my lead gen results. I'm finally seeing my email list surge. My numbers are finally growing there. And I have, this kind of ties back to what we were talking about earlier, of just sort of like taking the leap and being really open-handed about the results as I have 
my sales are down on Etsy this year. I'm hearing that across the board. I'm anticipating that my overall revenue as a business is going to be down. I'm okay with that because I've always known that Etsy is not my long-term business strategy. Obviously, I'm hoping that that income stays steady, but I have no control over Etsy other than doing my due diligence with my keywords and all of that. But the Etsy algorithm decides not to show my listings. It's not a whole lot I can do. Or if there's way more sellers this year and fewer buyers, it's just math. I'm not going to get as many sales. So I know my long-term success as a business is going to be my own website and wholesale. So because my ads in particular perform so well this time of the year because of the ornaments, a lot of the breed ornaments you see on Etsy, they're a watercolor dog on a white background with like some greenery around it. Seems like that's what they all look like, where mine are painterly. They have a bright color background. They do kind of stand out. And so I'm getting all these folks into my quote unquote funnel. And I've just decided, even though my revenue is down a bit, I want to take advantage of the fact that I'm getting a lot of email signups. And so I'm just taking the risk, doing a bigger spend this year and hoping that I can kind of move those folks into a buying cycle and that they'll come back when they need a thank you card for their dog sitter, all those kinds of things or the bandanas. So it's always a risk. Nicole always talk about this. It's eyeballs. Like I need more eyeballs and I am seeing them sign up. I'm seeing lots of ads to cart. So I know there's interest. I'm trying to take the long view that these folks will eventually convert as you move forward. And it's a learning process. Like if nothing else, especially in the beginning when you're just getting started, it's data. It's information that you would not have otherwise had. And you didn't have the bandanas and the mugs and the cards and stuff. I feel like those are new this year. I didn't have any of that. So my overall Shopify sales for the year are up because of that, because of the bandanas. And granted, a lot of the folks buying the bandanas right now are old friends or friends of friends. Like it is a lot of word of mouth, but still like it's adding to my revenue stream and pet shops are picking them up. So it's still early days. It's too soon to, you know, like really determine anything. And I get it. We just want the answer. Just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. And unfortunately, that's not usually how this business works. <laughs> no, that's not. I was just having a conversation with someone today where it was like, if there were some magic silver bullet, everyone would be bajillionaires and have these huge businesses. And that's just not the way it goes. But I appreciate you sharing your story and the journey and Again, I think being a creative, it adds this whole other layer to business and it can be really disheartening when things get wonky that are outside of your control. So it's just really cool to see you keep the positive attitude and just keep moving forward and doing it all with a smile. Maybe you're faking it for us. I don't know. The funny thing is when my husband are talking about the business and evaluating it, his joke has always been, I'm going to retire on your pet empire. We call it our pet empire. Not that we're going to get super wealthy and we don't even care about that, but we'd love to see that maybe in five years if the business was big enough to be our full-time income where he could work in the business as well. And with there being a bit of a slowdown this year, you know, we've been talking about it and he's like, what else would you want to do? Like, do you want to go back and get a job? I'm like, no, I mean, I love this. I want the flexibility. We have four grown kids. Three of them live locally. And 
wish to have a granddaughter. And I want that flexibility to be able to spend time with my kids and go on trips and that kind of thing. So like, I don't want to go back and get another job if I don't have to. And the reality is I actually enjoy not just creating the products, but I really like doing the marketing. I like designing social posts. I like designing my newsletter. I don't mind doing wholesale outreach and numbers. I did bookkeeping for a while as a side job. So I actually enjoy all the business marketing components of being a business owner. I don't know if it gives me an advantage, but it possibly keeps me from burning out or getting too discouraged or wanting to throw in the towel because I like all of it. I love that you are very aware of what kind of business it is that you want. Because I do have this conversation with a lot of entrepreneurs. They just kind of see what everyone else is doing and they're like chasing this carrot with no real reason why. And some of the conversation is, well, do you really want what comes with a business of that size? All the employees and now you're responsible for them and their livelihoods. No. We've talked very clearly, like we would be willing to do seasonal help at Christmas because ornaments are our biggest seller. Like that's fine. But I'm like, I don't want to have employees. And we kind of have our number in our mind of where we need our revenue to get to. It might take a few more years, but we both really do feel like we can get there. It's just going to be putting our head down and keep doing the work on doing the marketing, running the ads, not getting too emotionally caught up. And when things don't go well and just keep pressing forward. I love all of that. I'm so excited to see what you guys are going to do moving forward. We've already talked a little bit about that e-commerce is not all sunshine and rainbows, but I do like to share as much of the real as possible here. So looking back over your business journey, is there anything that you consider kind of the biggest mistake you've made along the way or something that you would do differently if you had it to do over? I think the one quote unquote, I'll call it a mistake, is last year, I still thought I could do art by Jesse McNeil and the Cherry Pet. And so after I did the wholesale course, my very first thing I did was I created a whole line of like stationary gift products, stickers and greeting cards that actually had word lettering on them. And it was honestly kind of a different style from the more painterly things I'd been doing. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to put this card collection out there and I'm just going to get it into a bunch of gift shops because I want to have this other income stream from Art by Jesse McNeil. And then I'm going to keep doing my wholesale for the Cherry Pet and keep that going. Well, it kind of bombed. Basically, what happened is after I got done, I didn't have any time to do the marketing support on that. I really didn't have time to do all that wholesale follow-up. So last year, like by middle of the year, the thing I kept saying is I was like, yep. And I just totally wasted the first four months of 2022 by like going down this other rabbit hole. But so the reason why I kind of say it was a mistake in quotations is that now this year, when I did decide to go all in on the Cheery Pet, I had everything figured out on how to manufacture greeting cards, who I was going to use, how to lay them out. I mean, that was so easy to just get that product going. So I use the word mistake loosely because I feel like even when there are missteps, when I look back, it's usually it gives me one more piece of information that I can use in the future. 
Absolutely. I love that perspective on it. This is not my first business. And all of my other businesses were very different, but that doesn't mean that I didn't learn a whole bunch of shit along the way, right, that I can use to serve me now. And I think that sometimes we take for granted what we've learned because it doesn't feel directly applicable, like things you've learned as being a musician and a creative in that way. And the other jobs that you've held and all of that can help fuel what you're doing right now if you take the time to recognize it. It's all like come together in this super strange way where I've always had marketing components to my job. And then being a musician, it's so much self-promotion and putting yourself out there. And like I said, I had learned bookkeeping at one point. It's like all these different things have like come together to put me in a position where I can be a business owner. I love all of it. And we just love having you in the lounge and seeing your journey and mostly at this point, really figuring out ads with you and all of that good stuff from your time in the lounge. What has sort of been your biggest takeaway from being in that group with us? The thing I say about the lounge often when I'm telling my friends or sharing about it is it is the most value for the content that you get. I'm not afraid to invest in myself. I've taken other programs and courses and thankfully they've all been good. Like I don't have any that I've ever regretted, but I will say hands down for that $47 a month, the content is so robust. Any question that I have about email or by searching the search bar, like I can usually find the answer. And then just how responsive you and Nicole are It's been such a great value. So that's the number one thing I always say. And then the community aspect too. Like I think everybody who's in the community, they're just very supportive and sort of cheer each other on. And I love how when someone posts a comment, like other people will chime in. Like it's just been a great space to feel like you have support. You can get a quick answer. It's been so, so helpful. Amazing. That's what we set out to create. But sometimes you're just so deep into it. And I'm like, I'm answering people. And then we're thinking about what we're going to do next year. And oh, now we're thinking about switching platforms, which we're going to talk more about inside. And I know people are there and they're staying and they're sending people in. So I can see those numbers. But also, it's kind of like the podcast. I can see people are listening to it, but I still feel like I'm speaking into the black void of the internet. And so it's the same thing with the lounge. And I'm like, are they getting what we think we're giving them? And you've just solidified that for me. So thank you so much. (laughs) I really appreciate it. You get out of it what you put in. It's not like it just shows up and does it all for you. You have to work at it. Like you have to be willing to go in there and watch the video and pause it and then go to your ads manager. And it takes some work, but... The answers are there. And then when you get stuck, you and Nicole are so awesome. It's the other thing, I feel like it's been a really good personality fit so much for me in the online education space. So I just really appreciate you and Nicole and your personalities. It just feels like a really good fit. And that's such a good point is like success does not happen by osmosis. You have to actually implement and do the work. And I was having a conversation this morning with a biz friend and it's like, We both have this 
really long list of things we need to do in our own business that we are not prioritizing because I can't say I don't have the time to do it. What I can say is I haven't made the time to do it. And I think we can all say that about our businesses. But then also, because we're both running these online programs, it's like, how can we better support our people to make sure that they're able to do the work so they can get the results? And so I think the moral of this story is entrepreneurship can just be fucking hard sometimes. And it's usually the business owner who gets in their own way. I think right now it's going to be survival of the most resilient. I think coming into 2024, it's going to be those of us who have that resiliency to ride it out, keep putting our heads down and taking that long view. Such a good way to put it. And honestly, I think that's a great place to end this. But before we go, please tell everyone where they can find you. Do you have anything cool coming up for the holidays that we need to know about for our pet loving friends? Give us all the details. So my Instagram and Facebook is The Cheery Pet. And then my website is shop thecherrypet.com. And we have a lot of personalized gifts. So ornaments can be personalized. We have over 70 breeds and coats, um, also in mugs. And then our bandanas, I didn't mention this yet, but we have a little leather tag that we engrave with the pet's name. So your bandana can be personalized. General pet lovers, mugs and ornaments and all of that good stuff too. So I like to think of it as like one-stop shopping for all of your pet loving friends and family. Love that so much. And you have a special offer for the listeners. You can use code BADASSFREESHIP to get free shipping on your first order. And I'm going to have all of the links and everything you need in the show notes of this episode. So make sure you check that out. Go check out Jesse's stuff. And there's also going to be a link to Jesse's music that I didn't even know was a thing and I haven't had a chance to listen to yet, but I'm super excited. So I'll stick that in there if you want to take a listen to. Thank you, Jesse, so much for being here. Thank you, audience, for hanging out with us. I hope you have a kick-ass rest of your day and I'll see you on the flip side, friend. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you're looking to surround yourself with more product entrepreneurs who totally get your life right now, get your booty on over to the e-commerce badassery Facebook group. Can't wait to see you there. Until next time, e-commerce friends, stay badass.